When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Nathan Baird here from Cleveland.com along with Doug Maurice. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon of the NCAA tournament. I've been watching some opening round games. Doug has been keeping up with the unfolding Baker Mayfield soap opera with the Browns. Uh, today we're getting into our usual, as we have been doing this last couple of weeks, the Monday Madness format, except it's on a Friday. So uh, just like, you know, it's the offseason. Things are a little bit wilder in the offseason. Uh, back at it next week with Ohio State spring practice. We'll be back there Tuesday morning, getting to see some things, getting to talk to some folks. They'll be off a of spring break, and things kind of kick off again in earnest going into the spring game. Doug, do you have any March Madness traditions? Do you Is there anything you do on the first weekend of the tournament? Are you still – is there any consciousness of that with you? Like when I was – when I lived in Indiana, I had a group of friends that we would get together every Thursday morning for the tip of the first game. And we stayed there at a Buffalo wild wings all day for the first game for the whole entire first day, got breakfast the next morning and then stayed there the entire second day as well. So two full days of basketball at a Buffalo wild wings in West Lafayette, Indiana. Do you, do you have anything even resembling that? Well, I, I very specifically remember sort of a change in my life because when I worked in uh, Delaware, which is where I worked before I got hired by Cleveland plan dealer in 2005, I was a baseball writer. So I was a baseball writer as a beat writer for four years. And then after that, I wasn't the beat writer, but I was around baseball a lot. I went to a lot of games and I remember very specifically in the spring of 2005, and I moved here for the start of the football season in 2005, going to the Philadelphia Phillies opening day game, an afternoon game on a Monday. And then that night being the NCAA basketball championship game that like opening day for baseball and the basketball championship game is often that same Monday. And that back then I went and covered the baseball game. And then all the beat, all the baseball writers, after we wrote our stories, went to the bar down the street and watched the national championship game. I think it was North Carolina, Illinois. And that was, I'm working baseball and now I'm watching basketball. And then it's within six months, I was a college sports writer. And then from then on, I can remember, I mean, the first 10 years I covered Ohio State, I was gone the entire month of March because I used to cover the NCAA tournament. I was with Ohio State as long as they were in it. Then when Ohio State lost, I just went to the closest regional. So I started, I was at a lot of Michigan State stuff, you know, for, for NCAA tournament stuff, but I'd be, I'd cover every round all March. And I remember then like watching baseball in the media room, sort of the afternoon of basketball games and then covering basketball at night. Now I was a base. Now I was watching baseball and covering basketball. So I remember that uh, transition very well. And so it is a little weird for me to be back watching basketball. It's been like this a couple of years now, but there was a time I covered in 2000. Make sure I get this right. In 2008, Ohio state missed the NCAA tournament and they went to the NIT. But I still covered the NCAA tournament. I was in Washington covering the closest first round site when Terrell Pryor committed to Ohio State football. And I remember being on, they had a, a conference call. We didn't have Zoom back then. We had a conference call with Jim Tressel that I did in the media room of the basketball arena in Washington because I was there writing like Davidson. You know, I, I was just writing mm -hmm. the best story I could find for readers in Cleveland. But it was like, oh, my gosh, my actual beat is having huge breaking news, you know. So um, and I was at a I was at a, an Elite Eight game, I guess, in Detroit. Because that was the closest regional and Ohio State was out of it when Davidson and Seth Curry, Steph Curry were doing their thing. 
Mm. And the Cavs, I've, I've told the story before. It's one of my favorite stories. The Cavs were playing the Pistons the next night in Detroit. So LeBron James came to the NCAA tournament game to watch Steph Curry because it was the Davidson phenomenon. And I was like, I'm covering this game. And I work for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I have to go talk to LeBron. And so he's like watching the game, like in the front row, whatever. And I went over, I was like, hey, I'm from the Plain Dealer. Can I ask you why you here? Why are you here? And he was like, oh, I'm here to watch. I'm here to watch number 13. I was like, really? He's like, no, I'm here to watch Steph Curry. And I was like, oh, no, I know that. And then he said, and this is also, uh, this will be on my tombstone. He said, if you work for the plane dealer, how come I don't know who you are? And I was like, because nobody cares about me, but can I ask you three questions anyway? And so then after that, I asked him a couple questions about Steph Curry and he was very gracious. And I wrote a story about LeBron specifically coming to watch Steph Curry, which then I got some mileage out of when the Cavaliers and the Warriors started playing each other in the finals every year that, Hey, nine years ago, LeBron was going to watch this kid in college. And I asked him about it. If you, if you work for the plane dealer, how come I don't know who you are? And I was just like, Oh, remove that dagger. Uh, and then oh, continue man. with my line of questioning. That was uh, the first of many daggers in LeBron James's career. As it turns out, most of them actually happening on the court though, like beating teams, not just, not just crushing your soul yeah. in the palm of his mighty hands. Yeah. So I know, I know how like, uh, you know, the Pistons felt or whatever. I know how other teams felt because it, because it happened to me. He dropped 50 on me. Yeah. At least, uh, that's going to be most of our basketball talk for this. We're going to get into some later on because this was the second year of the Buckeye talk March madness bracket. I hope, our texters were able to get on on that. If you want to get in on, on the future, 614-350-3315. Stick around. Next year, we'll do the same thing, and you can get in on it again. Um, over 300, I think, entries this year, so a pretty healthy pool yeah, of, of folks uh, competing for the top spot. And we're going to talk about that more later on because there were some really fun bracket names this year, including some that mentioned you and me specifically. But we're going to talk football here on the, the early components of this podcast and we're going to start off with as we usually do with an Ohio State topic and as we're getting into the specifics of the spring all of these conversations tend to point towards one thing which is can Ohio State fix this or get better at this or is it already good enough at this to win a national championship this year and so we wanted to pose the question should Ohio State be considered the national championship favorite as of right now I went on Vegas Insider. These are the odds right now, according to Vegas Insider, which does a composite um, of a bunch of different sites, ranging from other Vegas places to sports to uh, FanDuel to whatever. Right now, Alabama is the favorite at plus 200. So you'd have to bet 100 to win 200. That makes sense. Uh, Georgia, second, plus 300. Then Ohio State at plus 550. And then there's a gap. So those are really the three, and you would maybe even call it like there's a tier one. Ohio State might be tier two. Then Clemson at plus 1,200 by itself in kind of a tier. And then a lot of teams kind of start stacking up. USC, Texas A&M at plus 2,800. Michigan, Oklahoma plus 3,100. Wisconsin plus 4,100. So as in most years, people, the odds makers kind of see a small group of teams that should be considered the national championship favorites or, or top contenders. Do those numbers sound about right to you right now, Doug? No, I, I think if there wasn't such dominance by the sec that Ohio state would be the betting favorite. And obviously Ohio state's very popular among betters and obviously has a huge national profile as well. But I think a lot of that Alabama and Georgia action on that, those future bets or what, why they're number one and two, if you really start breaking it down and listen, defense really matters. Georgia proved that last year, obviously Alabama proves that on a yearly basis. Nick Saban's a defensive coach. We'd like to start with offense. And then you, if you start going through, start with offense, Bama lost their leading rusher. They've got guys behind him, but it's going to be kind of somebody new. They lost their two best receivers. Georgia's best receiver who was hurt all year is gone. Their second best receiver transferred to Alabama. Right. Um, 
They're losing two backs to the draft. They're going to get drafted. They still have Kendall Milton. Stetson Bennett is not Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Like you start to go through stuff and really, and again, like when you do Bill Connolly's SP plus and some other things, those things are going to lean Ohio state at number one. But I think when you start on the offensive side of the ball, when you start breaking it down, Ohio state has a lot, many fewer questions. At least they have more experience than Georgia and Alabama do. And I actually think getting Ohio state at plus five fifty would be, is a pretty good number. And that would be a thing. You know, if you listen to this podcast and you dabble in that and you happen to be an Ohio state fan, which I think applies to a lot of people listening. That's, that's not bad odds for a team that's going to roll out CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigman and Trayvon Anderson. I think it might be true both that I would not make Ohio state the betting favorite right now, but I think five fifty is a really good number that, that makes a lot, they, a lot of upside there, a lot of value in a number like that. I think it, it maybe does come down to the thing that you first mentioned is how much are you valuing defense? Because that's the area where Ohio State would seemingly have the most ground to close on Alabama and Georgia, even though both of those teams lost, especially Georgia, lost some pretty important defensive players. Last year, Georgia was number two nationally in total defense. Again, somewhat misleading stat at times, but number two overall in total defense. Alabama was number seven. Ohio State, 59th. Yeah. And that's the discussion that we'll continue to have. And you think about Will Anderson coming back as the best defensive player in America, no doubt about it. He's going to have a huge impact on what Alabama does as a, as an edge rusher. But I also do think it matters. I, I, this is a silly number in some ways, but we talked about this when we were doing NFL combine podcast, Nathan, and the fact that Georgia had the most combined people. And I think Alabama was tied for the second most and Ohio state was like 11th. Ohio state didn't lose that much. The things they really lost, the people they're going to miss, they're losing from their deepest position. Mm-hmm. So you can't pretend that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave aren't great and aren't going to be missed, but they are more able to replace receivers than they are any other position. And then no offense to anybody else, Ruckert's up next, and we've talked about tight end a lot in terms of guys they're going to miss, but almost everybody else, they're fine. And that's not a shot at Tyreek Smith or Haskell Garrett, anybody else, or Nicholas Petit Frere, but they're ready. And they'll be as good or better at those positions when you think about how little they're losing. And then you look at Georgia losing 14 guys who are at the combine. They're probably going to have 10 or 11 people drafted in the first three rounds. They're going to have eight defenders who get picked. Yeah, they have great players too, but they are completely rebuilding that defense. They have like Jalen Carter and, and Kylie Ringo back. And then a bunch of guys who didn't play that much. Chris Smith and a couple other safeties. I get it. But I mean, what Ohio state brings back. And I just saw a list the other day. We know, I mean, I, this, I, and I like this time of year. Sometimes people think, Oh, it's clickbait. Oh, you mean? Cause it's fun and interesting and people like to read it. So as long as there's a little something to your headline, but like what people's list, 10 best running backs, 10 best receivers, 10 best quarterbacks in college football. I love that stuff in March. It's fun. I saw somebody's list. It's like best running backs in college football. Trayvon Henderson was one. Bijan Robinson was two, which again goes to like, hey, remember when Ohio State missed on Bijan Robinson, who was like kind of a guy they really wanted and they thought they were going to get, and they didn't get him. It's like, oh, what'd they do? Oh, they got the only other better guy in college football than him the next year. Pretty good. And obviously Jackson Smith and Jigbet is going to be the number one receiver on every list in the country. And CJ Stroud, I'm sure is number, the number two quarterback. I I don't, I actually don't, I should know this. Who's the perceived third best quarterback in the country, right? I guess Caleb Williams at USC. It's like, if if obviously it's Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, but when you get to third, so it's like, I mean, that's, that's just where Ohio state's offense is. And that's why third I would have them higher than Georgia. If you just, because Georgia, everything yeah. came together. It came together last year. And they're a great program. And Kirby Smart proved they could get over the top. But I don't know why you would think Georgia has a better chance to win it all. They're in a tougher conference. And they lost a lot more dudes. So I take Ohio State at the very least over Georgia. And if the Bama thing is Saban being Saban, Saban, Will Anderson, Bryce Young. Okay, I get it. That's enough, probably, to have them be the favorite but I'd have Ohio state right with him at the very least. I think this would be a more interesting conversation uh, 
if Ohio State hadn't already answered the question, what are they going to do without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson? They went out and did it what they did in the Rose Bowl. If they had gone out that day and it had looked like, oh man, like these guys don't look like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's they're still a year away. They, they that was a lot to ask of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and Julian Fleming, and they looked really lost out there. And I guess most of that load is actually carried by Marvin Harrison Jr. And more to the point, most of it was actually carried by Jackson Smith and Jigba that night. But we still saw a an, an offense that was incredibly explosive, um, incredibly still able to be creative, still able to move guys around. They didn't look like they missed anything without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I think that alone answers the biggest question on offense. I don't really think that um, the, is Paris Johnson going to be great at left tackle is like the question that decides whether this team's going to win a national championship or not. Cause we all think you'll be fine there. We think really anything on this offensive line is probably going to be fine. Well, there's a great discussion to be had at some point about tight end, I think because Kevin Wilson really talked up and, and he was trying to say, Hey, it's not just cause I'm the coach of this group. Like tight ends have to be good. Like you don't understand like the tight ends, are, are good. It does all these different things with the offense. And I think that's something that's probably worth exploring it more in depth at some point, but I also don't know, could the tight ends be so off that it ruins the whole offense that like they can't be national championship caliber because they only find one tight end that they really like. So I do think in the modern game, tight end is such a versatile position and it allows you to be so flexible and allows you to keep defenses off balance with run pass. You don't know what you're going to do down to down because you put at least one often two guys on the field who are both blockers and pass catchers simultaneously and two versatile tight ends. What a way to attack people. I get that. But I think it would be, I, I could see Kevin Wilson at a presentation saying, Hey, Hey, tight ends, baby. Tight ends are, are the most important position on offense because I'll tell you what, if you don't have at least one great tight end and probably two, you better have the best running back, best receiver, and best quarterback in the country or your offense is going to be in trouble. And then Ohio State would be like, oh, no, yeah, we have that. We're okay. Then it's like, well, you better be versatile or you just better be so awesome that that trumps everything. And I think that's where they are. I, As much as I do don't have much belief in the tight end group right now. I actually can't imagine that quote holding them back because they just won't throw to them. They'll do jumbo packages when they really need to run and put a not extra offensive lineman in and they'll find versatility in the offense and ways to keep defenses on their heels in different ways. Like you still have to do that. They just won't do it with the flexibility of their tight ends. They'll do it with the dominance of their other positions. Because as whenever you have Jackson Smith and Jigba and Trevion Henderson on the field at the same time, which they're going to 89% of the snaps this season, every single play you theoretically could go to either one of them. And each of them are the best guys in the nation at their positions. And that's how you overcome not having great tight ends. Well, and so was the quarterback, arguably. Like the, yeah. that argument can be made between whether he or Bryce Young will end up being the better quarterback. Because CJ's going to make the right decision. He's going to make the right decision to utilize people the best way. Fair to say that being 59th again in the country in defense won't cut it. You can't, I don't think they can win a national championship being that bad on defense again or that and adequate. I, however and it's one say. of those, like the, 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 the thing we're trying to, like, should they be, perceived as like the national title favorite right now. Like I do, if I were an outside person, I would understand looking at the 59th and defense and being like, Oh, I don't know. I might take Bama or Georgia or Clemson or somebody else. Right. But I would, as an inside person, I would tell people on the outside, it'll get enough better. It won't be that bad. And as we've said, we don't know how much better it'll get but it won't be that bad and it'll be enough better that you should probably go, go ahead and throw some money on them. And I think at this point, that's what we know for sure. They'll be better than 59th. Do you think we know that for sure? That feels like a certainty. I would take the over on 59th. Yes. I'm like, like the better on 59th. Yes. Yeah. So then now we're just as the discussion that we've had and we'll continue to have. It's a top 30 top 20 to top 10. 
you know, and that'll matter. That matters in the big 10 championship games that matters against Michigan that matters in the playoff. But I, I, I would not let that scare you off from viewing them as the best team in the country in March. Another thing looking in from the outside though, it's not just that 59th ranking. Go back to the discussion. The first question that we answered on Thursday's pod from the texters, who is Ohio State's best defensive player right now, where we were kind of like, ah, I don't know. If you ask people who is the best defensive player in college football right now, a lot of them would say Will Anderson. And when you have a force like that on the defensive side of the ball, I think that gets added into the national championship um, math that people are doing right now more than, well, this team was – passable at times on defense last year it caught them in a couple of bad occasions they'll be better this year but you're still asking like, well so who's who's the guy on that defense who 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 intimidates you from the Ohio State defense right now who do you have to worry about on Ohio State's defense right now and I don't know that we can definitely answer that question for sure as we're sitting here today and I think that is probably it's why I think I agree with you I would put Ohio State ahead of Georgia I don't know if I'd put them ahead of Alabama right now if I think that they deserve to be the favorite over Alabama right now. It's one of those, I think, I don't know enough completely about Alabama's defense and other things, but I, I would say that once you get past Will Anderson and Bryce Young, and obviously there's some other good players, but like, I think Alabama has enough questions that they have as many questions as Ohio state has that, that they're, they're going to, be playing receiver with guys who haven't done much. Saban said Ja'Cory Brooks and some of those young receivers had opportunities at the end of last year. They didn't step up. So they, they went and got Jermaine Burton in the portal. And listen, and they got that running back from Georgia Tech in the portal. And they got, um, I'm sorry, who's the LSU kid? Elias Ricks. They got Elias mm-hmm. Ricks in the portal. We know they, they're doing great in the portal. But also they, 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 they have some, they had a bad, you know, they, they had a hole at right tackle last year. I don't know. Again, a thousand percent. We know they have JC Latham on their offensive line, but they're not perfect. They're not perfect. And so, again, sometimes when we know the team that we cover so well, we know. And again, the, the defense wasn't spectacular. We know the holes. Bama has some holes, I think. George is going to have some holes. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's OK to in the moment look at top end dudes. And I think Ohio state has a fair amount of top end dudes when it comes to comparisons like this. And even again, Georgia Brock Bowers is a top end dude at tight end. I think he's hurt for the spring, but he'll be okay. Brock Bowers is, is a top end dude. Um, Jalen Carter defensive tackle is a top end dude. I think Kylie Ringo at corner is probably a top end dude, but I mean, I, I think Ohio state probably has more at the moment, maybe than Georgia does. And um and they'll find more. It's interesting when we talk about the defense, it's just that the two games that they lost, certainly the Oregon game was because of their defense and the Michigan game. Part of it was because Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo got after the Ohio state offense and it was snowing and those kind of things. But the defense also had a, a, certainly a role in that too. The defense could have played better. I think the Oregon loss was because they had fundamental breakdowns, all the stuff we talked about with, with out on the edge, but that's, that's again, that's Ryan Watson, legend Cavazos and guys like that in some situations and making just sort of, well, they, they fix some of that almost within the season, right? So they're not going to have the fundamental breakdowns from a scheme or personnel standpoint that they had against Oregon. I think that'll be better. And then the Michigan game, I think it was more of, man, they just kind of needed a defensive guy or two to make a play. Again, that run early in the second half by Michigan, where you can see, eight or nine Michigan guys making perfect eight or nine blocks on Ohio state guys. And as we talked about, where's Ryan Shazier, where's Vaughn bell, where's the guy who just gets off his block and makes the tackle. That is more of a question mark to me. They need a couple of those guys to emerge as good as the scheme's going to be. Who's the playmaker, which is sort of what we get to with the, who's the best guy in the defense. But I do think you need some of those in the back seven because you know, Chase Young wasn't going to run down a guy eight yards downfield, right? If you hit a hole in the middle, if you didn't run at Chase Young and you ran the opposite way and you got a hole, then Chase Young can't make that tackle. Someone's got to make a tackle. So they, I think they need a playmaker on the back end at linebacker, at safety, a really physical corner. Someone's got to become the guy who refuses to be blocked and makes big tackles in big moments the way Noah Sewell was making big tackles for Oregon 
in that game. And that's the linebacker play that we talked about. It felt like time after time after time, they, they were running into defenders in the back seven of their opponents who were making plays. And Ohio State didn't have guys making plays like that. That, I think, is the search that is really important. And, and Jim, no matter how good Jim Knowles' scheme is, that can't fix it alone. The search for playmakers in the back seven is on. I agree with, I think, literally everything you just said. The one caveat that I would throw in and why I still think that I might call Alabama the favorite at this stage is something you've often reminded me of when I'm saying, well, you know, we don't know how good Ohio State's going to be here or here or here. Uh, they don't have proven guys. And you're like, hey, they find the, like that's it's Ohio State. Like that guy keeps coming. Like they they've always got somebody stepping up at those positions. And that's you're, you're right to point that out. It's even more true at Alabama, more true at Alabama. And that's that's Absolutely. kind of the way I'm thinking of it, too. It's like, OK, yeah, I see some holes. I think we saw some holes in that team going into last year, some things that we were kind of uncertain about. And they still, you know, were the number one seed and we're right there in the at the end of the national championship game. So I, I still think that I would put Alabama as my national championship favorite. I have not really thought about how I'm filling out a preseason AP top 25 ballot. I got a lot of stuff going on on in my life. Fortunately, before I have to do that, but uh, July I roll around and I'll have to start thinking about that. And I, it's, it's one of those two teams. I think it's Alabama or Ohio state. That is my preseason number one, as I'm standing sitting here right now. And I also agree with Georgia in that top three. I'm curious about Clemson who is the, the fourth team who the fourth best team in the country right now would be. And I do think on the national uh, college football survivor show next week, I think Shahan and I are going to do, who would you put in the playoff right now? And that's not, that's not the same as the four best teams because you have to look at schedule. You have to look at opportunity. Um, But to to watch Clemson this year is going to be really interesting. Clemson has a lot back on the defensive line. They have five stars all over the place. And I think Clemson has a chance to be maybe almost as dominant defensively as Georgia was this year. And so then it's like, can DJ Uyunglele play quarterback as well as Stetson Bennett did? Because last year he didn't. So they have to answer some questions on the offensive side of the ball. They have, I think Clemson's offense, especially it probably has more questions than Ohio state's defense, but Clemson's defense has a bunch of dudes, but they happen to also lose Brent Venables. So there's a lot of teams with a lot of questions. I mean, probably, you know, Ohio State's offense is about as locked in as it gets, is about as, as locked in as it gets. And that's, yes, Nicholas Petit-Frere is, is really good, and but they've, they've got a lot of answers. Yes, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are really good, but they've got a lot of answers to almost every question. Clemson's interesting because they have this nice convergence of talent that's coming back. The schedule, their non-conference schedule this year, at Georgia Tech, at home against Furman, at home against Louisiana Tech, and then they end with South Carolina. And I don't know if anybody expects anybody else from the ACC to be like amazing. I think they do play Notre Dame. They have Notre at, Dame. At Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. It's like a, a yeah. the adjacent ACC game. Right. Um, so we'll have to see how good Notre Dame is. They're going to have a new quarterback. They have a you know pretty highly rated guy there in Tyler Buchner. And I think a lot of people believe in, obviously, me among them, uh, believe in Marcus Freeman. But, yeah, the Clemson path. They're not playing Georgia in week one, basically, is what you're saying, which is – Quite a relief for Dabo, I think. Starting to sneak into a little national conversation, so we're going to come back and, and do a little bit more after this break here on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, like I said, it's March Madness time. I'm already one and one as of the time that we are recording this. Picked the Michigan upset. Was wrong about South Dakota State. How's Iowa doing? Do you have the games going there? I am watching it right now. Iowa's up 39-34 on Richmond with 16 minutes left. All right. That could be a little I, I have Iowa in my final four as our as the people. Iowa are. very very popular. Iowa very popular uh mid-seed pick for a lot of people. Against my better judgment, I picked Iowa to go to the final four. And I'm I'm not surprised at all that I'm uh, hanging on for dear life here on day one. But the question for what this was your what was your national championship pick? The our brackets are in with our three hundred. Yeah. Tech subscribers, who did you pick in the title game? The my pick for the title game is a very chalky Georgia over Arizona. I had Georgia over, or I'm sorry, Gonzaga over, not Georgia, Gonzaga over Arizona. I had Gonzaga over um, UCLA, and then Arizona over Iowa. Okay, I have Gonzaga over Gonzaga over uh, Villanova in my championship game, which I think is a rematch from a couple of years ago 
right? But Gonzaga would win this time. Wasn't Nova's second championship against Gonzaga or no? That's, I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I the, Obviously, the Villanova-North Carolina jumps out very prominently to me. I can't remember who they played in the other one. That might be right. I'll look it up while we talk. Sounds good. What we wanted to pose today was, obviously, there's an ongoing discussion about the 16-team, or, or I'm sorry, 12-team playoff college playoff expansion. We don't know when that's going to happen. We think it's going to be 12 whenever it finally does happen. It won't be a, a number shorter than that. People had thrown out other numbers, eight, et cetera. Do we think the college football playoff could ever have a March Madness type quality? Obviously, this the reason we would go sit at Buffalo Wild Wings for two straight days on the first weekend was not to watch, you know, any of our like favorite teams, really, or the teams that we followed. It kind of is. But mostly you're there because I can remember when we were there, the there was the weekend where both uh, Missouri and Duke lost as two seeds in the first round. Like you want to be there to watch these giants get toppled. And do we think that quality because I think that's what we mean when we say a March Madness quality, right? Like, will that quality, that sort of dynamic ever be apparent in the college football playoff? Now, the big difference will be there won't be a 16-1, 15-2, 14-3 first round matchup. The first four teams getting buys, etc. It would be more of a, I don't know, like a prestige upset or a, you know, a, a whatever group of five team that's getting in playing a a, a, a traditional power five uh, power that maybe slipped down the the seating that year because they took a couple of losses or whatever it won't. That, so that alone means it won't be the same, but do we think that same kind of upset excitement could ever come to the college football playoff? So Villanova did not beat Gonzaga in the national championship game ever. Villanova's second title came the year after Gonzaga lost to North Carolina in it. So they were, okay in the championship game back-to-back years. Anyway, so I have, I was thinking about, to your Buffalo Wild Wings point, I was thinking about, you know, if you, put, if you can put together two days, because part of the fun of it is the avalanche of yep. it, the avalanche of games, that obviously you can't really replicate that. But if you have five versus 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight versus nine, those four games in the first round, and you put them back-to-back on two games on Friday, two games on Saturday, or whatever it is, I think you can replicate some of the feeling of what this first Thursday and Friday is like. When It, it won't be games all day, but that's like seven hours of games. And you won't be flipping around, but that's, that's seven hours of football back-to-back that matter for the postseason, that are all going towards the same thing. Because you do this now with bowl season, but everything's a one-off. And you play the two semifinals, but it's just one day. You know, there's not – and then you have the break and then you have the championship game. So the, to have four games in mid-December in the first round, like you and your friends would get – I mean, if you weren't covering it, right? But, like, is that a get-together with your friends at Buffalo Wild Wings kind of thing to watch the 5-12 and the 8-9 and then the next day it's the 6-11 and the 7-10? Do you think you could get that? I, I think you could. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I so think that's could. a factor. The Buffalo Wild Wings factor. Yeah, I the get-together can... factor. The party yeah. factor. Yeah. The party factor. Uh, the party factor. Fuck the pool factor. I mean, that's what the thing. Like, you know, my, my wife was asking me the other day, like, hey, we got a pool for work for the thing. Like, who, who am I supposed to pick this year? And I'm like, oh, don't ask me because I haven't been watching a whole lot of college basketball this year. But, like, that's it. The, the casual fan gets into it in a different way. So I don't know. Part of it is the sheer size of the basketball tournament, the way it can kind of take over sports. So it will be, I don't know that football gets to that expanse if you're just talking about two games a day, but I think that's going to be an important part of it. Does it, is it something that the casual fan gets wrapped up into gets a, the $5 betting interest in it? I think those things are important because I've been in so many pools where like, Oh yeah, my, my, eight-year-old daughter won this year because she just picked you know she likes dogs and, and butler made it to the national championship game against yukon or whatever and she was just picking all the dog mascots like that stuff happens and it infuriates those of us who think we're like they're ciphering the the actual winners and losers but i also think since uh, the fact that cincinnati's moving to the big 12 i think is important here 
because there has to be a real upset dynamic. And if Cincinnati, now that they've been a group of five team that actually made the playoff, if they were still going to be a group of five team, that was going to throw that dynamic off a little bit. If Cincinnati was just going to be like the perennial or almost perennial team that gets in as the group of five and has already made a playoff as a top four, I think that would have muddled the, the fun of the dynamic a little bit. The fact they're going to the Big 12, now it opens it up for somebody who will seem like more of a Cinderella, for lack of a better term. So now you've got you know SMU or somebody is getting in as the 12 seed. And now they're taking their best shot at uh, Wisconsin or whoever. And now there's, you know, those power five programs have some stake in terms of their reputation in a way that they don't, if they're just playing a, another power five program, I think now you've got to like avoid the embarrassment. Plus you're trying to win a title. Plus you're trying to win a title. Sure. Sure. You're not just trying to win a thing. You're not trying to win a, a jar of mayonnaise trophy or whatever. Like you're trying, you're trying to stay alive for a national championship. So I do think we've hit on something here, and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I like this. I think there are three aspects that we will be trying to replicate in a football tournament. And they actually, frankly, wouldn't be a bad idea for them to call it a tournament instead of a playoff. That just implies something as well. They won't. But I think there's the party, hangout, Buffalo Wild Wings part of it, which is that part. So can the football tournament replicate the basketball tournament to some degree? To some degree, yes. There's just not as many games, but you give people seven hours of football on consecutive days in mid-December, you get a little bit of that. Then there's the pool aspect of it, which cannot be underrated and which I hadn't thought of and you brought up. If you have a 12-team bracket, I think people will do pools. And I think websites will do pools. And it's not instantaneous, right? But still, March Madness plays out over four weekends. So... I think that could be interesting because all of a sudden it's like, oh, why do I care about the 6-11 game? It's like, because I picked the 11 as an upset for my pool. I think they can replicate that. I think they should lean into that. They need to talk to people and say, let's make sure we get pools going. So party, pool. Those are two of the three most important things about March Madness. And the third is, as you said, upsets. And that's where I think football has a problem. because. I there just won't be as many. It's just not quite well, built the same way. I think there's a bigger gap. Now, the thing is the five and the six and the seven teams that are going to get in, just like Ohio State would have been this year, they're flawed. You're not playing Georgia, perfect Georgia's defense or, or Bryce Young and Will Anderson in the first round because they have buys. You're playing like the kind of flawed power teams that got in but one to made the 14 playoff. And then you have these up. So, so maybe, but that's what people love. I mean, I think it's just harder. The game is different enough. The gap is different enough between the elites and everybody else. I don't, I don't know when the first time is we'll have a 12, five upset in the football tournament. And if the games are bad, people already complain when the semifinals are bad. Right. If the five, six, and seven seeds all win by three touchdowns, then people are going to be like, ah, this stupid tournament, it's not that fun. So the upset aspect, thats the I think that's the most difficult. I think the other two you have a chance to replicate. Yeah, I mean, one thing that the playoff has already had that March Madness has is the underwhelming Power 5 team that may or may not have deserved to get in and then getting blown away in, in the first round. I, I think that's important, and it's – also, why are the upsets in March Madness such fun? Because when Duke and Missouri lost as two seeds, it's not like they're losing to, uh, it's not like they're getting upset by uh, Virginia Tech and um, Northwestern or something like that even. It's like, it's Norfolk State and Lehigh. It's like teams that people don't know where they're from. They've never heard of them. They can't name any players from those teams, like ever, like maybe in the history of those programs. And yet they're taken out Duke, they're taking out Coach K in the first round. Like that's something that college football, because it's just a smaller group, like all those teams are, are whittled off and put in a different on a different shelf. They play their own tournament. Like it's it's really just the big schools for the most part. So would we ever have a situation where a true Cinderella happens, where um, you know Bowling Green wins the MAC and is the highest Group of Five team to get in? 
and then it upsets. But even then, you're only upsetting the five seed. But if you upset the five seed and it's, you know, Ohio State, like that would be massive. It would be massive. It would be one of the hugest sports um, stories of the year. I'm skeptical that we're going to see much or any of that. Well, what is one of the greatest? What is arguably now this actually makes me want to do this list. The 10 greatest college football upsets of the past 20 years. What was Appalachian State over Michigan? Isn't that number one? Yes. Isn't that number one? Yes. Why? Because it most replicates an NCAA tournament basketball upset. Because it is a true little guy knocking off a true big guy. So the best thing that could happen for the new 12-team tournament is for that 12 seed, that non-Power 5 team that's going to be guaranteed to get in every year, to win. They need that 12 seed to beat that five seed. They need app because that's what it would be. That's what that like Appalachian State. Hey, you they're because they're they were FCS then. They're not now. Appalachian State, you won, you're undefeated. You know, Coastal Carolina beats Texas AM. That's it. And they will have a chance. They're gonna get some of those matchups when they get to 12. But the the best thing that could happen is for it to happen. And I, I'm skeptical to a decent degree. Cause like Cincinnati wouldn't be the 12, right? Like Cincinnati is too good. Cincinnati was the four this year. Like, you know, Cincinnati, like it's gotta be really an underdog that people can really embrace. And you're voting, you know what some of those teams are. It's like, just that, like you said, it's a, whatever it's Miami of Ohio with Ben Roethlisberger kind of stuff. It's a, it's a, and, and so but the the making that happen, it might take a while. It might take 20 years to get well, an upset. I think the important thing to remember here, too, is we are talking about basketball field of 68, football field of 12. So you're already taking football down to like the Elite Eight weekend. And I feel like right. the Elite Eight weekend is an awesome weekend of basketball, too. Or Sweet 16 weekend, but especially that Elite Eight day or two days is a lot of fun, I think. It's just a very different kind of fun than the first round is. So we need to, I guess, probably just think of it more like the elite eight weekend. We need to temper our expectations a little bit, but I think that's a very good point because elite eight is great. And you get like those, those four regional finals. That is what it'll, you know, that's exactly what it would be like. Those four, it's four games back to back against like all great teams. And so um, when you see a really, six, yeah, that six seed, that upstart six seed that makes a final four run or whatever, like that's a different kind of excitement. It's not nearly the same kind of upset because a lot of times it's like, oh, UConn was a six seed for whatever reason this year, but they're still UConn or they're still Arizona or they're still North Carolina and they're going to the final four. And they shoot. So the first weekend that we're talking about, 5, 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9, that can maybe have a little bit of the early tournament vibe. But then the second weekend, once they get rid of those first four, and then you have eight teams left, it'll be exactly that. It'll be the Elite Eight. They should call it the Elite Eight. Oh, or, I mean, I guess it's, there's, well, it's the bowl system that's not part of the NCAA stealing from the NCAA. So they can't call it the Elite Eight, but they should come up with the name, the Electric Eight. Yeah, it's not whatever. Elite, too, because you're leaving off the top four teams again. So it's like the no, Elite Eight, except that, for the best. No, they're playing. No, they're playing now. Because oh, the I'm next talking the weekend. first round's okay. gone. The okay. first round is, is, like the, is like the first round of it. So you have upsets. That's first but then. Yeah, the first four. Then, they, but Coastal Carolina is going to lose or whatever, right? So then you're going to have right. eight teams left, and you're bringing in the top four seeds, and now you have the electric eight, and you get four games again, two on Friday and two on Saturday, and you lean into that, and all those teams should be great, or and and probably well known. And if you have a if you have a Coastal Carolina in there, even better, you can blow that up for ten days or whatever. So. Um, and then it's all, it's all this thing again. It's like, Oh, I, you know what? I think we're figuring this out. Now we have to wait four years because they couldn't get it together to actually do it. But the, the basketball marketing is actually pretty fantastic on this the, Like, and I know other state, uh, tournaments have done this. In fact, I think some of this, Illinois had some of these terms like sweet 16 and March madness and stuff that they used in Indiana. So they probably predated the NCAA tournament. But I think again, when you're going to the casual fan, like that means like when you hear elite eight and final four, that sounds different than like, Oh, they made the national semifinals. They made the playoff semifinals as it is in football. Like final four has just a better yes. pop to it. And football should better names. Football do. should do something like that. 
They do. And, and then it's the NCAA basketball tournament, but it's March Madness. They, they, they need to come up with something that maybe isn't the official name, but even at the, I mean, the official name is the college football playoff, capital C, capital F, capital P. It's like, come on, come on, man. So like, like uh, they have time. I think of what a great name the Super Bowl is. Like this yeah. is one of the great like titles that anybody's ever come up with in sports history or like even like World Series. It's not the whole world that's playing this, but like they called it the World Series and now it sounds like something bigger than it is. Right. It, it's not called the baseball championship. Right. It's called the World Series. And I think in, in the NFL wasn't the first the first before the Super Bowl, wasn't there the AFC NFC championship game or something like that? They called it something very yeah. wooden like that. And then somebody eventually was like, nah. Like we got to do better than that. And they came up with a great name. And I think college football could probably use a little bit of branding because again, I just think that you got to get to really achieve that next level as far as interest. And I think that's where the money comes from too. And the eyes, the eyeballs, and there's going to be plenty regardless, but you can help. They can help themselves if they market this just a little bit better. Can we ask our texters 614-350-3315 if you want to be part of it? So sign up to do this, maybe sign up for the two week free trial just to send a suggestion or to all the people listening who are already tech subscribers, send us your suggestions for either the full name of the expanded college football playoff or the championship game or the what you call the semifinals or the quarterfinals or whatever. How can they brand this a little bit better? Because we have four years to figure it out because they delayed expansion. That's what's going to be the truly miserable thing, that they're going to wait another four years and then it's going to be, again, some very dull name that they end up plastering on all this. Yeah. Leaders and legends. The Leaders Bowl. <laughs> the Legends semifinals. <sighs> We're going to talk a little bit more about brackets in a, um, a more fun way, but also uh, a more poignant way, I think, after the break here on Buckeye Talk. So as I said, I hope if you were a tech subscriber, you got in on the NCAA bracket again this year. It's a lot of fun. You get to compete against at least me and Doug. I don't know if Steven got his bracket in. He was traveling this morning to um, Ohio State's site, and I don't know if he was able to get his bracket in. But uh, And he said he was in a bracket mood. He, was, he yeah. just couldn't get himself in a bracket mood. He's knee-deep in writing mm-hmm. stories. He may, he may not have liked uh, not being uh, on top among the Buckeye Talk crew last year. That's why I think it was. I think he's trying to not lose – Two years oh. in a row. That, Who won last guess. year of us? The three of us? Did well, you win? Would I, would I bring it up if I hadn't won? No, that's probably right. <laughs> and I'm imagining that if I had won, I wouldn't be asking because I would know. So it must not have been me. It, it was me, but it wasn't because I had some amazing uh, bracket, I don't think. I think we all did pretty poor relative to our, our field. Uh, one of the things you can do, so we use the Yahoo format, the Yahoo tournament thing. And you can change your bracket names. I thought there were some really great ones this year, especially uh, some of them that I'm not going to read were like mean spirited and and body. And I dig that. I just want you guys to know you guys and girls to know that, like, I see you and I hear that and I embrace it. But I'm going to talk about some other ones that we got today. These were ones that I thought were clever Ohio State specific ones. Uh, Holt Mania. Hmm. Scarlet and greatly disappointed. <laughs> Fuck I talk. Came, came to play school. Nice. Nice. Uh, Pete Werner thick with two nice. C's. Um, nice. <laughs> I said what I said. Oh, that's good. Well, I think these are the two best ones, actually. Uh, Kato Bates three op. I love it. Now, that may, have been, but that may have been a term people were throwing around when he was playing. I can't remember. Um, and then my, I think my favorite, uh, E Pluribus Branum. Oh, that's uh, that's his, we believe. We believe in, in, in Branham we trust, Branham we right? Trust. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll find out Friday whether uh, E Pluribus Branham was where to put your money. Some others that came in that were very Buckeye Talk specific. Mm. Uh, cancel subscription guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the guy that you were referencing the other day. That's good. The Bad Bracket, B-A-D, which I know was the the name of the pod, the the predecessor pod. Back in the day. A long list of ones that were homages to 
my co-host here today. Uh, this bracket's on Ewers Island. Oh, that hurts, but that's good. Uh, there was, I think there was another Ewers Island in there somewhere. Uh, as bad as Bill Davis, so somebody who does not have much faith in their bracket. Uh, assistant coaches are replaceable. Oh, warms my heart. Uh, the Doug lose Marie's. Hey, I've been uh, called worse. Doug orders steak well done and the finished Pizza Hut bracket. Nice. Uh, one, a couple that they threw finished at me. Pizza. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Uh, that, that's when you know someone's going like very deep cut on there. Yeah, that, that's that's not like an obvious one. That's not. No. Ewers Island is a little obvious. We threw that around a lot. You've got to listen to a have have listened to a lot of episodes to get the finished Pizza Hut slipped in there. Uh, someone uh, Nathan Baird does catfish. People were really. We got a lot of response to the people who were just bewildered that neither you or Stephen had ever ever really gone fishing and Touched to fish. I, yes. And I just want to say thank you because there's not very many groups of men that I look especially manly standing mm. next to, but I think you and Steven helped me out there a little bit. And then uh, one dig on Steven, uh, Giordano's crust included. There we go. And then no bracket would be complete without a mention of the Royal Gynecologist. Hey, I hope the Royal Gynecologist works. I hope, I hope it actually is the Royal Gynecologist, but uh, we'll see. And, and one that Wouldn't I would be like, if it just, it's someone who's never listened to the podcast before, but it's just their job that it is the, Oh, it's an American basketball bracket. I'll try that. And then they're just, I'll just use my job title. Oh, we still got to get the Royal gynecologist on at some point, make that an off season project for you. Okay. Well, I have another big off season project. You might have to handle that one yourself. And then one that I wanted to mention, because it was actually one that jumped out at me before I knew the story behind it. It just jumped out at me because, again, I have kind of a dark sense of humor. And someone had named their bracket the Chemo Dreamo. And it's Aaron Hake, who won this bracket last year. And I reached out to Aaron and said, hey, what's the story with that? And unfortunately, uh, it's kind of some it's kind of Aaron using his dark sense of humor because he is right now battling uh, colon cancer. He was diagnosed uh, in January and had surgery, but now he's doing the chemo thing. So um, he, I asked him if it was okay if I, if I sort of told people his story and he said, uh, encouraged me to, because, you know, he's a young guy and no real family history of this. And it's becoming a, a more and more prevalent problem among, uh, you know, younger men. Um, frankly, people younger than me, I'm 10 years older than him almost. And um, it's really, you know, uh, heartbreaking to hear he's going through this but also encouraging to hear that he's taking sort of a, a positive approach to trying to fight this and um that he enjoys still having a buckeye talk there with us i mean we're certainly as i told him rooting for him i hope he repeats his champion and just glad that he is is fighting this and um i wanted to i think everybody that follows the pod would probably pass along their well wishes that um, we look forward to to hearing Aaron come on and, and brag about his bracket again. Yeah. Well, we'll have him on again, win or lose. Um, I do think, you know, this is a community. This is a group of people who have a common interest in Ohio State sports and uh, choose to express it by being part of this community. And so that community, we've had people in our community before who have battled difficult yep. things. And I hope it helps a little bit, but you guys out there are all different. You come from a lot of different places. You have a lot of different backgrounds, but you are united by something or you wouldn't be hearing these words right now. If you didn't care about Ohio State sports, you wouldn't be listening here. And so we know then that you care about people who share these interests with you, that they're in this community with you. And so, Aaron, there is like zero doubt. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who listen to this podcast and they are all with you. They are all with you. So we're with you, Nathan and Steven and I are with you, but there is a much larger, larger Buckeye talk and more importantly, Ohio State community that uh, is with you 100% of the way. And we know, and that Aaron is trying to do something and say, hey, let's get the word out to everybody. It used to be, I think they used to tell you when you're 50, get a colonoscopy. And there's a lot of literature now that says probably more like 45. I think the insurance companies might be a little slow on the uptick on some of that stuff. Um, and so 
it's a reminder. It's an unfortunate reminder, but props to Aaron for letting us tell his story and get the word out about it. And we know that you're going to get through this, Aaron. And uh, there's a, a whole bunch of people who are thinking about you and praying for you and fighting with you. So if there's anything we can do for you, Aaron, just reach out to Nathan, let us know. But um, this is for you, man. We're all behind you. And, and Aaron said, when I reached out to ask him about it, he said, oh, I'm sorry if that's too depressing. I can pick a, a, a less depressing name if you want me to. And I said, like, don't you dare, man. Like, that's I, I think you're saying everything with that. And again, maybe it's just sort of my dark sense of humor. I thought it was a great bracket name. And um, we're all uh, in, joining in uh, the Chemo Dreamo this March Madness. And I do think it's one of these things. I've always thought this um, a lot about sports that you don't stop sports or things like a silly podcast because a terrible thing is happening. You play sports and do silly things because terrible things happen, because life is hard, because life is difficult, because life is unfair, because people are going through real things every day. So you've got to try to find a little light every day. And Ohio State football is a light for people. And so we try to highlight that. Yeah, we're critical and whatever, but man, it's sports. It's fun, man. It's fun. And there's enough lousy crap that happens that, man, you gotta, you gotta go out of your way to make sure you're having some fun. So Ohio state football will be out there in September and Aaron will be there rooting for the Buckeyes and we'll be talking about it. And we appreciate everybody like Aaron and everybody else who listens to this podcast, because we're just trying to have a little bit of fun in a world that, especially the last couple of years can be really, really difficult for a lot of people. We try to, I try to never lose. We try to never lose sight of the fact that there are a lot of people going through stuff. You know, we know people reached out, lost their jobs during COVID, lost family members during COVID. Um, that's the real stuff, man. But we're lucky to be able to have a little bit of goofball fun every now and then. And uh, Aaron, you're going to get better, and uh, we're going to have you back on on, on Buckeye Talk soon. Absolutely. Doug, um, am I right that if Ohio State loses, hmm. people will get another Buckeye Talk about that this weekend? So, Stephen and I, if Ohio State loses to Loyola, we will do a podcast as soon as we can on Friday, as soon as Stephen is done writing and is in a spot where he can podcast. So, we'll get that out either Friday night or Saturday morning. And then that will probably stand in for the Monday pod. It'll just be early. If Ohio State wins on Friday, we will then do a pod after the game on Sunday, whether they win or lose. And then that will go up either Sunday night or Monday morning, but it will be the Monday pod. So the next pod is basketball. It just might be a little bit early if the season ends early. So that's your update on that. And then Tuesday morning, again, we'll be back at the Woody checking out practice we will have a pod for you later that afternoon most likely after we talk to ryan day and see what we see know what you're watching what you're eating oh we can absolutely do that we were running short on time you had a hard out i know so I, I, I have i have a moderate hard out but we can do five minutes of it okay because i rec- okay. i i i looked i wrote down what, what i'm watching and what i'm eating okay <laughs> let's hear it all right so what i'm watching do you watch happy endings it was on like 10 years ago we like- are just now watching it we're in- oh my god I think we're probably uh, in the last season of it, I think. I can't remember if I mentioned it before. It's like the greatest show ever. I can't believe they ever canceled it. If nobody's ever watched it, just try it. Damon Wayans Jr. is, I think, maybe the funniest person I've ever seen on TV. He's on New Girl, too. He's unbelievable. I can't believe he hasn't had a bigger vehicle yet. He is, he is, his character on that show, Brad, is absolutely hilarious. So always in unhappy endings. I just, it's on Netflix now. So I just flip it on and just let it run. I also identify with the fat guy. And then the other one is uh, what I'm eating. And I, 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 I've done this. I've had this happen before. And I'm worried that the listeners, Nathan, are going to get on me because people thought I was potentially breaking the law by bringing my own popcorn buckets to movie theaters and then getting refills and spraying it out among four buckets. And people thought that might be cheating. But no, that's not cheating. That was definitely a thing for a while. That was definitely like a. You, you have, have to go more. in and buy, you bring your own bucket. You bring your own buckets for four. You have four buckets for your four family members. Right. And you get one large popcorn and then spread yeah. it out and then go get a refill and then spread hey. it out and then go get a refill. Yeah. Sorry. Movie theaters. If you don't want me to do that, don't charge me a mortgage to okay. buy your popcorn. 
you're going to be in the jail cell with me for, for some people. So I wonder about this. My daughter did this the other day. We went to Dairy Queen and she got like some kids thing. It was like some kind of kids cupcake ice cream thing. And I was like, do we have to pretend we have a baby in the car? Cause it's like ice cream for a baby. It was like three bucks. You know, it was like cheaper than everything else on the menu, but there is this world. And I've, we've done this at Disney world sometimes where it's like, Hey, the kid's meal is cheaper than the adult meal, but it's like half as expensive, but 85% of the food. And we maybe don't have a kid, but do you know that? And especially in this world where everything's takeout and everything's drive-through, I don't think they make you show proof of child. So every now and then, especially like you want to get a happy meal. And I'm not so sure that happy meals are limited to children, but it's like, well, I just want a small hamburger and a small fry and a drink. And I'll take the toy. I'll take the toy, especially if it's like a good movie. I'll take the toy. So it's like, I'm not a child. But I don't know if that's against the law. Do you think it's against, against the law? The law? Against I don't the, think law enforcement is going to get involved. No. <laughs> is it fraud? Is it fraud? That is this it against- is a meal. This is for two-year-olds to nine-year-olds. And I'm a 48-year-old man ordering a Happy Meal. Could I be prosecuted? Is it against cheeseburger law? I don't know. I will say that they've got this uh, Hamburglar guy that looks like, I mean, he's already yeah. in the striped suit. So they've got bigger problems. It, clearly, that guy. I mean, Ronald McDonald is, uh, as, as as Jim Gaffigan once said, their mascot is a pedophile clown from the 70s. So I don't think they're worried about you buying a Happy Meal. Okay. I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm sure some people might have a problem with it. I kind of have a problem with it. But if it's just, is it morally wrong? Is it, it's like, again, I've been dealing a lot of like with like moral, ethical business decisions, the law, like with this Deshaun Watson stuff. Cause there's layers to it. So I'm just applying the Deshaun, the Deshaun Watson standards. Like should Deshaun Watson be the Browns quarterback? Should a grown man order a happy meal next on Buckeye talk ethics? I think we probably should have used this week since Ohio state wasn't practicing to have sent you down to Houston to find out has Deshaun Watson ever bought a happy meal. Yeah. And then yeah. we could have just tied this all together. And that's it. And that's where the Browns threw the line. They were like, oh, the 22 civil suits. Yeah, we can get past that. What? A happy meal for $2.99. That's it. Uh, did you watch or read anything? Um, we've been watching another show that was canceled and that we got too late was Superstore. And that's like one of our, like, as we're falling asleep kind of shows. Because we watch like these other dreary, just horrible shows. <laughs> if we're watching like a drama at night, it's like Ozark or Drex or uh, Dexter or shows like that. And there's always they're always just like so taught with what horrible thing is somebody going to do to somebody else next that it's always a nice palate cleanser to watch something like mm. comedic as you're falling asleep. And uh, I was skeptical about Superstore because it's just like a network uh, sitcom and those uh, tend not to be my brand of humor anymore. But we really enjoyed it. And I think it's we're, we're getting into the last season. It's one you can watch on Hulu. Um, and eating, uh, we just did another pot of chili, which might be our last ones. Cause we tend to do them only in the summer. We don't make it as much in the summer or I mean, we only do it in the winter. Don't do it as much in yeah. the summer. And I was thinking that I know that there's a lot of people out there and maybe especially guys who are like intimidated about cooking. Like I have friends who are like, oh, I just, they don't even like try to cook anything because they think it's like too complicated or they're, they, they think they, it, it's more intricate than it is and like literally all we do is like you you cut up an onion and it doesn't matter how nicely you cut it up just take an onion yeah. that's whole and make smaller pieces out of it and put that in with a little bit of oil dump in your ground beef or your turkey we like turkey it's got a cleaner taste you don't have as much grease and you can buy a big can of beans and a can of tomato juice and dump them in there and you're literally done you just cook it like that it's the simplest thing in the world and it's delicious uh, you probably want to get some chili powder added in there too but it's one of those things where like like i said i have so many friends that are, have been so intimidated for a long time about cooking and i don't think sometimes it's ever been explained to them how simple you can make something that's really good and it, you get to eat on it for a few days because it makes a big batch of it and so if you've never tried cooking something like that if you're intimidated about cooking it's not that complicated you can cook something really great, minimal effort, minimal expense. Give it a try. Just a quick bracket update. You said you had Iowa in the final four and Gonzaga yeah. winning it all, as did I, right? Yeah. 
Iowa is losing in the final two minutes and Gonzaga is losing in the first half with five minutes left in the first half against Georgia state. So sounds good. Congrats to us. Yep. We're uh, <laughs> right on schedule. Thanks for listening for Doug Lamer East. I'm Nathan Baird. That was Buckeye talk. 